The Incomparable. Number 345. March 2017. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. We're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to talk about a TV show. And it's not a TV show that if you are a fan of the kinds of stuff we talk about on this podcast, science fiction, fantasy, genre stuff like that, you may have skipped over this show thinking it's just another broadcast television sitcom. But you know what? You were very wrong, and you should rectify that. And we're going to tell you why before we blow the spoiler horn in this episode. But then you need to go watch The Good Place, which aired earlier... Uh, this year and la- I guess late last year on NBC and is coming back for a second season as well. Um, short too. It's a uh, it's a it's a very short season. They uh, they only did what thirteen episodes. Joining me to talk about the good place in this good place are the following fine people: David J. Lore. Hello. Hello there. Everything is wonderful. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Kelly Gamont is here. Hi. Hi everybody. And Glenn Fleischman. What the fork? Uh, I will be playing the devil's advocate as usual. Of course. I would <laughs> expect nothing less. How are you going to approach this episode, Jason? This is a big one. <laughs> and the story backstory here is that Glenn wanted to do uh, an episode about The Good Place so much that he was just going to go do his own rogue podcast about it. And he finally just wore me down. I was like, no, no, that's a great show. We should talk about it. So we're going to talk <laughs> about it. That's my usual. That's my strategy. <laughs> to explain what the show's premise is. Uh, so this is a this is an NBC sitcom. Uh, it's it's not a one of those laugh track sitcoms. It's a it's a, you know, single camera sh- shot thing. It is from Mike Schur, who you may know he was a producer on The Office and also played Moe's Schrute on The Office occasionally. And then he went and co-created Parks and Recreation. And then he co-created Brooklyn Nine-Nine. These are all good shows. (laughs) And now he's created The Good Place. Also, by the way, as a sidelight, he created my favorite sports blog of all time, the late lamented Fire Joe Morgan. And, And actually, he... Uh, executive produced Master of None, which was written oh, by man. Aziz Ansari and Alan Yang, who uh, was <laughs> oh one of those producers, God. and also okay. wrote uh, On Fire Joe Morgan, Alan Yang did. So anyway, Mike Schur, he's got a great track record. And they basically said, hey, uh, here, have some money. Make a show that's based on a, a single line of, <laughs> that you wrote us. Yeah. Also, right? I will say about Mike Schur, and I, while, I'm, while I'm plugging everything that this guy has done, because he, he has done a lot of great work, he has a podcast with um, award-winning sports writer Joe Pesnan called the podcast and um people who listen to the incomparable if especially if you like sports a little bit you might want to listen to that podcast because they talk about sports a lot and do you know the other thing they do on almost every episode they draft things it's true they do <laughs> what they draft things as a real-time follow-up from our chat room of course um the episode there's one episode of black mirror in its most recent season the first episode which is a very funny episode uh, that was co-written by mike Schur and rashida jones who obviously was on the office and parks and recreation and they wrote an episode of black mirror that's actually very funny so he gets around uh, the good place is a show about Kristen bell who is eleanor shellstrop and she when when the show opens she's sitting in a waiting room she has died she is uh, now welcomed into an office by Ted Danson, who is Michael. And Ted Danson explains to her, she has died. She's now in the good place. This is the afterlife. It turns out that everybody, everything you do in life is added up. There's a point system. There are positive things for good things, negative points for, for, for bad things. And the very highest rank of people get to go to the good place. And now she is there in this, uh, in this community built by Michael, who is an architect of the afterlife. Not God. He's just an architect of the afterlife and this is where everybody is going to uh to live out their days with their soulmates the one catch is that Kristen bell realizes very quickly that 
uh, she there's been a mistake and that she is the wrong Eleanor Shellstrop and the right one, and, and she's not a particularly good person. Uh, the right one was, but somehow she has managed through clerical error to end up in the afterlife with all of these people. And that is as high a concept as I think you may ever get for a TV show. And somehow it all it all works. I think maybe because of the way that the story is told. I mean, I, I'm curious what all of you think about this, that it, it is, it is locked down. The story is locked down. It's told in chapters. Every episode is chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. The story continues. It picks up right where the previous episode le- le- leaves off. It is not like what we think of as a traditional uh, TV comedy in any way. When be- before we go any further, I should say, if if you watched the Olympics, if you were like me and you watched the Olympics last summer and every commercial break on NBC had a commercial for The Good Place right. and they were almost all identical because they were all clips from the pilot and all the other shows they were promoting had all these variations and all these other Superstore, things. Superstore, I think, was the other one that right. I yeah. saw ad nauseum. Yep. Well, and, and the thing I started to worry about, you know, I, I, I go along with it because Mike Schur has a great track record and the concept... You know, just just the description of it. I'm like, oh, son of a theologian. I am in, right? And and then I start seeing the ads, and they're all the same. And I'm thinking, this is the most you could get out of the show to make it seem funny because it's I've got these memorized now, right? And and I and I watch the pilot, and I'm thinking, okay, so all of these clips really were from the pilot. Oh crap! But I liked the pilot, so I kept watching. And and I realized that if they had shown clips from any further in, it would ruin the story. It would spoil too much. So I actually watched this because of you guys. Because ah. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about it incessantly. Well, <laughs> so good. partly that, but partly it was because I had the opposite reaction to the incessant advertising, which was, you can only show me one joke. That means you only have, have one, one joke. joke. Hard pass. That's what I was thinking. I kind of was like allergic to it. And then, yeah, because I hang out with you guys and you guys were like, oh, my God, the good place. Have you seen the good place? I love the good place. The good Mm -hmm. place is so good. Like, it's a place and it's good. (laughs) good. It is. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I was like, really? Because like all you guys were sort of like when you meet that family member's girlfriend and you can tell that he's dating out of his league and you're like yeah but she's really nice you know like you're surprised about it about the greatness of whatever you know like that's what's happening and so it felt to me like that's kind of you know you you all sort of went i wasn't really sure what to expect here but i'm pleasant i am very pleasantly surprised and i'm it was not a waste of my time and i'm really glad i watched it and then i know glenn was declaring very early on i'm gonna go watch it again so i thought (laughs) well okay I'll give it a shot. Like, all of you guys can't be wrong. My wife and I have very different viewing tastes, so we have a hard time finding things that we will both equally enjoy and, like, want to get through. And My Name is Earl is a show also about ethics that we liked very much in the first season and kind of halted in the second. Um, But I'd heard everybody whose opinion is similar to mine about things they like liked The Good Place at an unreasonable level. But the NBC not nagging NBC thing is I didn't know something of this quality – subtlety and um, intellectualism with the sort of cleverness, like high and lowbrow humor mixing together was possible on broadcast television. And I'm so glad to be proved wrong. And I know there are other shows that have aspects of this, but to see something that is just wonderful. But most of them um, are on cable or HBO. Yeah. Or yeah usually they, get other bought, places. But they got there, but my wife and I would watch an episode and we would turn it off and we'd go, how did this get made? How did this get aired? Is this really an NBC? <laughs> Holy cow. 
that's where I was, was like three episodes in. I'm like, what does NBC have on Ted Danson <laughs> that they were able to get him to agree He's to this so show? Good. He's so uh, he good. He apparently fell in love with it as soon as he read it. And, you know, well, how could rightly so. <clears throat> I, I mean, I I know there's a, a broad variety of people on the writing staff and the producing staff, and I, I don't know anything about their backgrounds. But I, but I have to say, I wish my mother were here. I think she would love this show. Uh, and, and I mean, just from what I know of, of theology and her writing about it, I think she would find it very theologically sound, no matter what religion you are. So one of the things that I, I really like about the pilot, I mean, the pilot is very, I grant you, they <laughs> cut it up into promos and we saw it every time they cut away from gymnastics for three weeks. But um, it is um, very carefully done in that it tries to get a lot of the questions that we have out of the way very quickly. Like literally first Kristen Bell, who is who is great and, you know, I loved her in uh, Veronica Mars and now here she is Love and she's her. great in this too. Um, yeah. And she's she's great because she's so likable and, and that helps offset her character doing all these awful yes. things and being kind of unlikable. It's a great combination. <laughs> but first thing that happens is she gets called into Ted Danson's office and says, "What you, you're going to need, I got a few, I, she, actually what she says is, I have one question and then ask three questions, which is great. <laughs> and then he tries to explain it. And then the next scene is the presentation where Ted Danson basically gives, he like literally gestures <laughs> up to a screen and then a video plays of Ted Danson explaining how the afterlife works. And it's so smart because it's funny. There's lots of jokes. It's entertaining, but it also gets a lot of stuff out of the way so that they can go on with the story including she first thing she asks is um which religion was right and and he basically says all of them got about five percent right and then there was this one dude who was high on mushrooms <laughs> this joke i don't know why this kills me a it kills me every doug force and i looked up the name he was about 42 percent direct we couldn't believe it and he's got like a memorial plaque in the office that's the thing that does me in this is the great thing about the show right in every episode after that this is not really a spoiler they just at some point they pan across the office there's a shot and there's doug the picture of doug and a portrait of doug and every time it comes up i start laughing <laughs> Glenn talked about a big reveal. There's actually, if you think about it, there, there are twists in in all, if not every episode, then almost every episode where there are things yeah. that you assume and then it gets flipped on its head. So um, there there are many things, which is why I think going in fresh is the way to do it. So before we blow the spoiler horn and start talking about some of the story stuff, um, worth talking about. So like, yeah, the the pilot I, I think is really is really clever in what it does. The cast is really good. Um, so the the people that that Eleanor meets in addition to Michael, the architect, we, we meet Chidi. Uh, who is uh, an ethics professor from Africa who is is like he understands how to be a more ethical person El Eleanor eventually admits to him that she shouldn't be there and they work out a plan where he's going to teach her how to be a better person in order to earn her way her right into being in the good place and not be sent to eternal torment in the bad place um, her next door oh, they oh by the way they live in a house that's very small and full of paintings of clowns which oh is great God. Because she loves clowns. Because the other Eleanor loves clowns, and they are horrifying. This, this is the perfect house for the other Eleanor. Next door in the giant mansion, because everybody gets a house that's appropriate for them, and this really bugs Eleanor, um, are Tahani who is a beautiful philanthropist who knew lots of famous people and is my read on her is and just awful because she's so beautiful and perfect <laughs> and knows it. And she's just awful. And her soulmate, who is a Buddhist monk named Jian Yu, <laughs> who is silent. Took a vow of silence during his life. Yes. And has decided to maintain it even still. 
Even yeah, even in the afterlife, yeah, the last piece of the puzzle is, and I think maybe the most brilliant little bit of casting oh. is oh. there is a character named Janet who is a piece of software. She's a woman, but she's actually kind of like a hologram. I'm not a woman. She's and not a girl, she, but she's not, and I'm she's not, not a, a robot either. She is. She is a piece of software who is basically the search <laughs> engine of the afterlife and takes everything kind of literally and is super weird and just she's appears and so disappears good. and it is brilliant because she's just a piece of of very strange software and that is <laughs> and that is this bizarre world in the good place they have lots of frozen yogurt places there are there are are, uh, are like places where you can go and there are, are nice animals to play with it's it's paradise right I want to bring up something about casting too which is um, and it plays into the show and then uh, uh, we'll talk after the spoiler about some aspects of that that then become problematic, I think, is that, yes, the two leads in the show are, are you know, white American people, um, Kristen Bell and, and, uh, and Ted Danson, but the cast is essentially the next, like, the next three, uh, well, except for Jan- and Janet's also a white woman, but the, se- the next three most important characters uh, are uh, people of color, um, people with uh, difficult to pronounce names in this show, a little part of the joke, but still a thing. And uh, throughout the entire cast, it's a, you know, I want to say uh, many races, ethnicities, other aspects. And I thought as you watch it, the reason I'd say, I'd say it's done effortlessly because it is essentially never brought up as an issue. It's never discussed. There's never a joke about color or whatever. So at some levels, you could say that kind of thing is post-racial. In some cases, you say, well, it's being uh, almost uh, amateur or um, naive about race by not having it be something that's brought up or emphasized too. But it's a kind of thing like you don't see a lot of programs or I haven't seen a lot of programs in which there are just that many different colors and people, uh, you know, even people of different sexualities without it being an emphasized thing. Well, and actually, Chidi, one of the good things of just from a, a language standpoint is Chidi's actually from Africa. I think he's from Senegal. And, Senegal. And the whole idea is that he speaks French, but we hear him in English. They try very hard to make L.A. look kind of like Africa when they flash back to his <laughs> life. It's they're, they're, it's a sitcom. They're trying. But um, but I like that, too, because then again, Chidi's frame of reference now is different. It's not like a... Because a, a, the afterlife, right? It's supposed to be humans from all over. So we have... Some so um, Tahani is from the UK, and uh, and Jianyu is from Taiwan, and then Chidi is from Africa, and Eleanor is from from Arizona, and uh, and that's kind of cool too. That it's not just uh, you know it's not just a bunch of Americans in the good place; they're from all over. Yeah. And that's yeah. that. That's a, a fun aspect of it too. And Chidi is just a delightful character. Can I just say how much I love Chidi? He is. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. He is oh. put upon and sweet and <laughs> frustrating and perplexed and just is the perfect foil for Kristen Bell being, um, you know, kind of a messed up person who wants to be a little bit better. It's just an amazing pair. Chidi gives me a pretty strong uh, Niles Crane vibe. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, Very much a Niles Felix kind of building up of tension, yeah. up and up and up and up, and then it it's explodes. The, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, the other thing that that I loved about it, like like you guys were talking about with um, all the ethnicities of people, is that the only time it comes up about. Um, anybody's accent or anything like that is he said he mentions very at at the very beginning almost of meeting Eleanor how um, he speaks French or something and then she says but I can understand you and that's when we find out like sort of one of the conceits is that everybody sort of has a babblefish in their ear and so Mm -hmm. everybody knows what everyone else is saying and the only time it comes up 
that that anybody was born anywhere else or anything like that is when uh, Eleanor can't remember basic stuff about Chidi, like where he was born or where he is from. And that doesn't have anything to do with where he's from. It has to do with the fact that she just didn't bother because she's not the greatest. Right. right. And like, that's the only reason it, it came up in any sort of context, which for me was was really interesting. And like like you guys were saying, like, it's not a thing. And I really liked that. It gave me uh, kind of almost like a Star Trek vibe. Like you see yeah. a, a, a really tall person, a really short person, a blue person, a black person, a white person, an Asian person. And they're all just people who are all advancing the plot in some way or adding some sort of interesting decoration to a bar, you know, to prove that there are aliens here or whatever. And I really enjoyed that about the show that like nobody talked about it, nobody cared. And I think that that was really interesting. And it's, it's great that you mentioned the babblefish because one of the things that hit me pretty early on, this, this feels, I mean, it doesn't, it's not like a Douglas Adams thing, but it feels tinged with his kind of sensibility. It's, there's there's just this wonderful sense of being able to do anything in this setting with the concept and to take it to absurd extremes. Well, and everyone's so accepting. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, this is how it is now. Yeah. Throw yourself at the ground and miss. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, that is, and <laughs> yeah. that is that is straight into Douglas Adams. There is there are flying lessons in an early episode uh, of this uh, too. <laughs> it's actually not that far off. I want to mention something about Chidi before we uh, get into spoiler territory too. Is I realized uh, watching the show some episodes in, I realized that um, the the actor portrays the act of. Um, uh, of like, uh, the pain of lying when you've internalized the notion. I, and I feel this isn't a, a humble brag. I think this is like, um, more like a super ego societal thing is like, I, uh, try to be a very honest person. I, and I associate with Chidi very closely his, um, when he is agonizing over, uh, trying to, be as ethical and honest as possible, but also living in the world. And sometimes you have white lies you tell. We can get into that later. But the but the uh, the, the thing is, like, the, just the intensity of agony he experiences when he has to lie. Like, I've gone through that. I've felt that. And I feel like that, it's never, usually sitcoms and most television portrays people who have made a really bad decision and are trying to justify it to themselves rather than trying to uh, avoid a bad situation and then feeling like tortured, practically torn apart when it's something that minor, like, you know, uh, which we can get into. But I, I don't think I've identified as closely with someone with the way he's expressing his discomfort with the least subterfuge, not, not to mention some of the largest. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Blue Apron. Incredible home cooking has never been more attainable thanks to Blue Apron. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers easy-to-follow seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. No more overspending at restaurants or high-end grocery stores. With Blue Apron, you can prepare delicious, memorable meals all by yourself in less than 40 minutes. Some of the meals available in March include salmon piccata with orzo and broccoli, vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips. I had that. Spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice. Just tonight, I had this amazing gnocchi. It was, oh, it was so good. Just this very night from Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and you can get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Snell. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create these incredible home-cooked meals yourself with Blue Apron. So don't wait. It's delicious, quality food you can feel good about. You make it yourself in your own kitchen. Blueapron.com slash Snell. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. 
we should probably praise Ted Danson a little bit more too, yeah. just because I mean Kristen Bell. I, I've said a lot of good things about the cast is is great all the way through. Ted Danson has a very difficult part, right? Because he has to be oh, yeah. kind of angelic and kind of clueless and disconnected and and discombobulated, especially since there's obviously something horribly wrong because Kristen Bell should not have ended up here, and right. and yet he's you know and to mix all that in together, that is a I feel like it's a tough line to walk. And he does it, and he is funny. And I mean, Ted Danson. I mean, yeah. Spoiler alert: Ted Danson is good at being a comedic <laughs> actor. Right? He has like ninety <laughs> I, Emmys, I like but him. but I he like is him. very good at and does such a professional job lending it the weight. I think that you need to believe like this is the guy who designed this neighborhood in the afterlife that everybody lives in. Like you need to you need to get that, and he really does do that. It's amazing. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I love the idea that it sort of plays off your assumptions of what the afterlife is going to be because you have Michael, who's an archangel, so here you have Michael who's an architect and yep. I immediately I was like, ah, yep. nice, nicely done. And, and yeah, it's a tough, that, that is a tough recipe to pull off in the first place without anything else that happens in later episodes. I want to point out one important thing before we spoiler horn too, which is I did not watch the show on broadcast television. There's, I watched on Hulu and the deal is on Hulu, they're only showing the extended cuts for episodes in which there were extended cuts. Right. So the broadcast versions in, I think not in every case, I'm sure not in every case, but in some cases are slightly shorter. And there's actually one thing we will talk about after the spoiler horn that is only, it was cut from the broadcast version for length. Oh, interesting. Uh, but, it is mm-hmm. in the uh, it is in the, in the Hulu, uh, Hulu version. extended version. Yeah, the NBC app has the same extended cuts, so they are freely available. If you're not a Hulu subscriber, if you have the NBC app and sign in with your cable provider, it works. If you discuss this with somebody who has watched it as a broadcast version, and you start mentioning things, and they'll say, "I didn't see that." They're not gaslighting you, and you're not gaslighting them. They actually didn't see a few minutes here and there. Right. This this is something they started doing with the office, with the office because yeah. they had so much material, oh, oh, and then and then they car- carried on doing that with Parks and Recreation. Yeah, so. it's it's, okay. it's funny. I realized this that my uh, my daughter has just been binging Parks and Rec and um, and The Office, <laughs> and I realized that all of those. I had that moment where I was like, you know, we used to go on iTunes the next day and pay ninety nine cents to watch the you know the ten minute longer version of that episode of The Office. Right. And uh, I wonder if those are what's on Netflix. And the answer is, yep, those are the official yep. versions now, oh. or the longer cuts. The, the, yeah, the yeah. you know TV broadcast version is not the like definitive article. Um, and that's something Mike Schur obviously brought to this. I know we keep saying there's one more thing, but um, Jamila Jamil, who plays a character named, strangely, Tahani Al-Jamil, there must be a reason for that. Uh, she is also, I think, very fine, like very, um, almost like a, she's like a, a one of those 1940s um, a screwball comedian type, like, very beautiful, hmm. but very wacky. And yes. she, um, I, I can't, David, I'm sure you list off five people like this. What was the Florida's, <laughs> the, the Key West story? What's the, um, Irene, the Palm, uh, the Palm Beach story. Palm Beach story. Sorry, with yeah. Claudette Colbert. But Irene was in the Key West story. Irene Dunn. Come on. But I think she, I had a look up. I'd never seen, uh, Jamila Jamil before. 
And I looked her up and it's like, and she has a wonderful story of like how, uh, she like wrote in when she saw they're doing auditions for some TV show. She was not, I think even a model, uh, wrote in, got a casting call and was cast as like a presenter on a UK show and then rose from that after years. Mm. And I think this is one of her very first acting roles and she's hilarious and weird and it's such a bit of just complete goofiness and she and Kristen Bell are I mean I think they have the best acting pairing I think her work with other people is a little more constructed to make things work but the two of them are an amazing like Lucille Ball uh you know the other lady Vivian Vivian Vivian. (laughs) thank you (laughs) there she does a take in I don't know one of the last two episodes where it's just she's reacting and her eyes go wide it's in the last episode and it is spectacular it is it's spectacular it's it's total barbara stanwyck in a preston sturges film oh that's great it's just this this moment where you go "Ah!" so all right we're going to we're going to blow the spoiler horn now so if you have if you are intrigued but have not yet watched the good place i recommend you go to nbc.com or the nbc app or hulu and watch the good place it's really great and then come back here they'll watch the whole thing it's 13 half hour episodes before you come back. It goes fast. It goes fast, yeah. but you got to watch the I've whole it twice. thing. So here it is, the spoiler horn. All right, now that we're past the spoiler horn, I would like to say, before you go on, The Incomparable <laughs> this week is sponsored by otters holding hands when they sleep. Otters. Anyway, now back to the show. I think we should all do an evil laugh. That's... Uh... <laughs> 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 so the the serious i mean the twists here are oh my are many like let's not even getting to the to the end the real identity of jian yu as a failed dj from oh, jacksonville oh, florida who's just pretending to be a mute oh monk when he actually is in his man cave which he doesn't call a man cave <laughs> oh my god oh god which was delightful i'm like because I, I had to back that up did he say that? Was that? <laughs> but, I had the captions oh, on, but he was a whole no. for your buds. Then, yes. Okay. It's progressively designed so that there's no episodes that are filler. It's very tight. It's, um, it's well, const- every episode is well constructed. Uh, watching it the second time, I realize almost everything is called back or tied together. Yes. Like there's almost nothing, mm-hmm. not even a line that's thrown off. That's not just like, you know, a joke in context that's about the place or about the circumstances that isn't put there. So he constructed this thing. That is uh, beautiful in that way, and yet it isn't um, uh, tedious, and you don't see the clockwork ticking away, waiting for things to spring. I was consistently surprised by it throughout. I mean, not just the big uh, reveal that we'll talk about after a spoiler horn, but I think every episode was full of like delightful, surprising moments that really made me laugh um, out of surprise as opposed to you know a, a punchline. There's like a series of like there's one big spoiler or one big uh, reveal at the end, but you're right as it clicks through like you keep going click 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 through irreversible one way decision trees that gets you into this path, which I think is a beautiful construction that mirrors the uh, the big reveal. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, the story keeps up being the ante. Right. Eleanor admits. Uh, to Chidi that she's not supposed to be there. Eleanor admits publicly that she's not supposed to be there. Uh, we, we learn that Jianyu is not supposed to be there. We, um, we learn that there is a, 
a medium place that is a purgatory that is available. We we oh we God. see emissaries from the bad place who come to the good place, right? I mean, like, so it good. keeps They're ratcheting so things up. It's doing world building. It's taking twists you don't expect. And then that leads to the final, you know, revelation in the in the last episode. And it burns through what other shows might do in five, five years. seasons. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? you're totally and, right. And I mean, this is a show where I, you know, I don't know how, I mean, like what, Ken Levine has the, the rule that when you sit down to pitch your show, you should have the season premiere of season seven in your head. So you know where it's going. And I don't know if they know where this is going, but I really want to see where it's going because they've just. They definitely have strong ideas, at least. I mean, I know the first season was probably planned and I'm sure when they got to the end of that, they were like, well, obviously this is where it goes. And they sort of laid that out you know themselves like this is my imagining of of what's happening and i really what i hope because one thing about this story the way it sort of jumps back and forth between where they are now and uh their lives what they had before um it gives me a very big lost vibe Ooh, wow. and when i got to the end of it i was very very excited and then the, the voice in the back of my head went but no kelly because what if it turns into the third season of lost <laughs> I mean, they knew they were signed up and they just had no idea where they were going because they didn't know how much longer they had to get there so then i sort of worried about that but that was one of the things that struck me watching like the first couple episodes of this as i was sort of getting a feel for it and like is this something i should you know be spending my time with and one of the things with the nbc app is that it will just keep playing the episode for you yeah so i by the time i realized like you know sort of looked up and and sort of tried to pay attention to it like i was on i was like most of the way through the second episode and so i thought that was really interesting too. (laughs) like it it really does just sort of go because you start getting invested in in the people and in the world and and what's happening and and oh like you start like pulling for michael you're invested in him a little bit because this is his first neighborhood and isn't that nice for him And, and 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 he is such a personable sweet actor that you are totally on board with him yeah so he gets there and you're like, yes, you know, and then and then like, you know, Eleanor's like, ah, it's not that. this is, you know, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful Chidi. And you're like, <laughs> and then you sort of wonder, like, well, obviously she's, you know, the one she's the glitch. Right. So what's she going to, you know, how is this going to resolve around her? And then you find out that the whole reason the silent monk is silent is because if he opens his mouth, everybody's going to know that he's a glitch too. Right. In yeah. his own special way. <laughs> it, it is in the chat room. They're pointing out that Mike sure actually did apparently at least give a call to Damon Lindelof and talk about world building when he was putting together. Yes. The- <laughs> yes. And, and this does come across as a, as a, you know, as a vision. I mean, the, the, he, he assembled a good writing staff and, and uh, different people wrote all the different episodes, but it, it clearly comes from his vision of what he wanted this show to be. So the big, the big yeah. reveal, which we haven't even said yet is uh, just to make it clear in the final episode, what happens is there's a great moment where Kristen Bell is watching everybody bickering with each other because there's this the the bad place is going to take two people back to the bad place from the good place in order to balance the books for John Yu and Eleanor and Kristen Bell gets this look on her face as she's looking at everybody because you and and then watching it back I was I was noticing you know that's the moment where she says wow this is like we're in hell the we're this all just torture. Right. yeah we are all just she says this is torture we are all just yelling at each other tormenting each other and she yeah. and she's like i got it i she starts to laugh and she's like i figured it out i got this and yeah. and, and, and is so good and she calls in michael and says 
we aren't going to the bad place because this is the bad place. And it's like, wow, that that was a big leap, Kristen Bell. I don't think it's going to work. And you cut to Ted Danson and he just starts evilly laughing and she's totally <laughs> right. It's the bad place. And he goes, I can't believe you figured it out. We just, oh, my wife and, and I are just and like, the, holy the scales drop. And can we just talk a minute balls. about that laugh? Oh, oh my, that's not just a laugh. That is an evil, <laughs> gleeful giggle. I mean, that is just, you know, and, and I, I saw them talking about it and saying, you know, he, he tried it several different ways. And, and then he's the one who kind of said, let me, let me just try giggling. Oh, let me just, let me get- just, I don't, I don't want to be dramatic uh, about it. This is not a dramatic reveal. This is, you know, well, this and, is one of the things yeah. – there's so much to talk about with this show, but I want to talk about – highlight that thing specifically, which is that uh, the, there's kind of this interesting character commitment. So we, we at this point, are pretty sure after that reveal, we realize we have not seen anyone from The Good Place. Janet has been stolen by Michael from The Good Place. Right. And there are bad – there are also bad Janets in The Bad Place. But we have not actually seen anyone from The Good Place except probably in that brief video – in the medium place episode, uh, because we are, believe that's legitimate. So that may be the only good police person we've seen. So Michael and all the other people from the bad place are really invested in their work. They really take a lot of care with it. They're, it's not yeah. a, a put on. And so the bit where Cheaty says, where he says, well, Cheaty, you were actually the closest of getting in. He says, well, not actually that you close, that but close. you were the closest. And he said, oh, that actually makes me feel worse. And Michael says, oh, Thank you. I really need to hear that. And the genuineness with which Ted Danson sells that. You're like, yeah. oh, these people, they sort of hate – they don't have any hate in them. Even though as they talk about hating human beings and thinking they're stupid, this is enjoyment for them. They're doing this to have fun and uh, that is sold throughout. It makes the show less nasty. They're not actually – they don't yes. actually come across as evil even though they're doing evil. Well, one of the things that I find I find quite similar to Douglas Adams' sense of humor that Mike Schur has here is the idea that – you know, the truest evil is bureaucracy and, <laughs> right. and it, it, right, right. It's the banality of evil. So you get you get to see in that last episode, you see Ted Danson at his workstation where they're with all the other architects. <laughs> and this whole thing is a scheme by Ted Danson because he just wants to shake it up and do something differently. Instead of throwing people in lava, we, he thought, what if we, we can could, innovate? What if we could torment? <laughs> they could torment each other. Everybody else we've seen other than Michael, Janet and the four characters that are the core of this uh-huh. were all actors they actually show the reverse of a shot we saw earlier in the season where those two the the husband and wife come into the into the apartment or into their house and and we see ted dancing out there and he's telling them who they need to pretend to be and all of that so it's very clear and i'm a marriage counselor oh maybe we can get them to swing with us for me the thing about this is that I'm kind of feeling like somebody needs to give Michael Schur a cookie and a hug. (laughs) (laughs) I think he got to work out a lot of his, uh, you know, but right. It's like the bureaucracy is really the evil here. Um, If you, by the way, if you have not freeze framed the um, Michael presentation, of the scoring system, you need to do that because the number of jokes <laughs> that are just in the scoring system, including my personal favorite, knowing about Mike Schur, he's from Boston, he's a Red Sox fan, being a Yankee fan gets you a major downgrade <laughs> yes. if you look closely. Anytime there it's is amazing. any kind of screen with information on it, freeze oh, frame Oh, look it. at it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, when when the, the judge is showing off all the evil, horrible things that Eleanor has done, freeze that because it's amazing. Oh. Yep. Yes, yeah, all the, of it. The judge who is pl- is the same actor who is uh, uh, Andre Rauer's husband in Brooklyn Nine Nine because it's reusing uh, yeah. reusing it's very, the exact It's Mark Mark Evan Jackson who is one of those guys. One of those guys. Right? It's that guy. 
What do you guys think of the... the I, I thought the weirdest episode is when they go to the medium place. And I think it's easy to be skipped over it because it, it was actually oh, aired back to back with the with the last episode. And so, you know, you get so swept up in the last episode and the building of the of the tension of the plot that you kind of miss it. But that is a bizarre episode where they're, they're in the that medium place where, where there's the, the lady who just kind of... Everything's just kind of eh. And it is the, it is the, you know, it's purgatory. This is what purgatory looks like in this world. And it's super weird. Yeah, let's start with this concept. This is a Calvinist universe. If we're to believe Michael, which we don't know if we should believe yet. So we right. don't know if he's telling the truth, but we believe he is because... My, Michael, the creator of The Good Place, not Michael, the creator of the TV series, The Good Place. I'm sorry, huh? yes. The, the good, and notice, <laughs> notice on the blueprints... He could have named him Raphael. It's The saying. Good Place is in quotation marks. Did you notice that? Yes, sure, of course. Yeah. It's very close. Yeah. Anyway, so... Michael, the architect, is telling us things, and we don't know if the people who come, but Trevor and the others from the bad place, if they know if they're in on it. We don't know that. We might assume it or not. So we don't know if what he's showing in terms of, there's a time he brings up a map of the world, and it's showing people, like, red for people going to the bad place and green for the good place, and it's very, very few. And he's and that's emphasized throughout. This is a very deeply Calvinist universe. This is a universe in which only a very few of the elect who do not know they are of the elect, but they are the elect by the fact that they do the deeds they do, right? The Calvinist yep. worldview are being brought into heaven or equivalent of, and everyone else, 99.99% based on the way they talk about it, maybe more, are going to the bad place. So when you start with this show, Eleanor brings up very early, it's like, I was not that bad. I wasn't right. good. I need like a medium place because this is a fundamental argument against, this is a, like an argument against God that goes back you know, as long as people have worshipped uh, a unitary God is or or gods that send you to hell, is I'm not that bad, and the show is all about that. So when you get to the medium place, it's a beautiful resolution of like, oh yeah, well, there's one person they decided <laughs> her score was like a zero, and so she landed there. But That's but right. Glenn, in hindsight, watching it, knowing the reveal at the end, you cannot trust anything right. that you've heard right we don't actually right. know if anything they've said about how this works is factual if, well, if, if if the bad place people were really from the bad place and weren't in on the the reveal find that like hard to believe Michael, though right well i know we don't know how compartmentalized it was because they may have not been playing an act if they were doing an act then you're right so we don't know this all our information is unreliable at this point except for a few things said by michael before he erases their memory because ostensibly he doesn't care at that point Right. right. Well, and we know, and this was one of my favorite gags too, where, uh, where he's making his pitch for, let's, let's try <laughs> this idea of the good place, right? And, and the, the chairman of this meeting, at least at the other end of the table is, is higher up than him because he has to give his approval and it's Mark Evan Jackson yes. again. And, you know, and he's, and, and Michael's like, I bet we can do, this will run for a thousand years. And, he, and Mark Evan Jackson says, ah, I give it six months. <laughs> but tell me more. Joke. But that is such a wonderful uh, TV network joke there. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's not going to run. Uh, but yeah, let's see what you got. Because um, it, it was always a 13-week thing. And as he's making that pitch, uh, all we really know by the end is that there was this one person in the medium place – we don't necessarily know that there aren't others elsewhere. Right. We right. do know that they can't find when Eleanor and all have gone to the, the medium place. They don't know where they are out there. But how how vast could it be? I I love Mindy Sinclair too, though. She's um every character that Sigourney Weaver played in the nineteen eighties. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just like cocaine. You don't have any cocaine, do you? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm, need kidding. It. I'm just kidding. No, I don't do you any, have any. But if you had any, yeah. it would be. You know, yeah, I would, I would totally because I really like this it. This is a show that does try to explore, and it, it always is trying to be funny. But it it does try to explore interesting philosophical issues, right? In every episode, I'm sure you could you could take a class, a philosophy class or a religious studies oh, class, yeah. and break down these episodes, and everyone would have something in it. And the one that really struck me is Mindy St. Clair, who's in the Medium Place. She got to the Medium Place because her her tally was bad when she was alive but right before she died she set up a charitable foundation that did incredible good in the world and the question is like what do, what do you do with that how do you judge a life when that is what happens like can she buy her way into goodness at the very end of her life not knowing that it was the end but that's what happened it's just a fascinating question and the answer here is they basically didn't know what to do with her so they they stuck her in out in the middle of nowhere by herself drinking tap water and and what well, well, what is Everything beer. is balanced, warm right? Beer. It's your favorite beer, but it's always warm. Yep. Yeah. It's your favorite music, but it's always the Eagles and it's always the live version, right? <laughs> I um, love so that. It's, it's, so it's always a good, live. A little, little bad. There's this weird um, Susan Komen thing, too. The Susan G. Komen uh, yeah. for the Cure Foundation yeah. or whatever. Um, I don't think it's intended to reference her, but that's Susan Komen died and her sister founded a foundation that's, you know, become an enormous worldwide force after she died. And I thought, what a weird thing to have constructed this mini Sinclair plot and kind of, but it wasn't, I, you know, Susan I Komen wasn't a bad person while she was intentional. Yeah, it I, was just strange. I think that's <laughs> definitely a reference because it is, because it's too exact. It was very funny. She was actually my first question. What the heck is Mindy St. Clair? Like, She's if, a plot if this is what's happening two. here, That's then, right. yeah. what's, then what's her deal? And that was like the first thing that I felt like I needed to know immediately, like after finding out this other stuff. And then seeing that he was like, you know, it, it doesn't matter because, uh, you know, it was very much... Um, the vibe I got from his speech was was very uh, no, Mister Bond. I expect you to die. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, and I loved it. You know, like listening to him pace and talk about you know all of that stuff. And I sort of secretly was hoping, uh, not realizing that this was Michael Shore uh, when I was watching it. I found I found that out later. I sort of was like interested in the stuff that was happening in the office because I sort of thought that would be fun for season two to go around like the office, but it's. You know, it's hell or whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is that they're. But and they're then, all very nice to each other. They all like each other clearly. Even the lava <laughs> guy who, who didn't know he didn't have a reservation oh, in the conference sorry, room. Yeah. And then to find out that it was the guy from the office. You know, and I'm like, oh well, that makes a lot. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, like I said earlier, I feel like he needs a hug and a cookie because he mm. went from like dysfunctional company. <laughs> to government agency, which on its best day is nowhere near as functional as a dysfunctional company. Police precinct and then hell. Yeah. And then just dispensed with all pretense and like, <laughs> we're in hell now. Yep. Oh and well, they're, they're all nice to each other there. But if you notice, it's the little things, right? You know, which which uh, is that? Which is the coffee and which is the antimatter? Oh, oh I'll take the antimatter. Why would you make it French vanilla? Why do you need to flavor right. that? So it's yes. still right. little things... Pissing them off too, which is a lovely touch. Or the conference room. The conference room was double booked. Yes, that's the first touch. <laughs> even there, bef the, we get the coffee joke before we know that it's hell. Yeah, right, right. And then it's just again the, the construction of this is so airtight. It is. 
beautiful. A couple other points I wanted to make about this. Uh, back to Tahani, I mentioned this at the beginning that she's she's this beautiful, wonderful person, and she's awful. Uh, one one of the reveals at the end, right, is that why why are these people not eligible for the good place, the real good place? And and uh, Tahani has that moment, right, where she says, "But I gave all this money and all that," and, and then she has that take of like, "Oh." Right, I did it, but I did it all for the for the glory and the grandeur, and and to be I, able to. I did it to show up my parents and my sister, right. and yeah, I wanted I wanted to yeah, screw Ryan Gosling. Was, so that yeah. that is, and that's great because I felt like that was I felt that about her the whole time. Right, it's like how can she right. have a high score? Right. And, and again, I never twigged to the fact that maybe this was the reveal, but I kept thinking to myself, just in the within the premise of the show, just criticizing the show, not realizing the show knew what it was doing. It's like she's awful. She is so self congratulatory, and she looks down on everybody else. And you know, she's just this, and, and in a funny way, she's not an awful, like unpleasant character to watch. But I, the whole time, I'm like, who does she think she is? She's just she's so terrible yes. and lording right. it over everybody else. And it turns out in the last episode, it's like, yep, that's exactly right. You were not wrong, and that's why she's here. It's great. It's great. Well, they, sh- they shaved down her corners over the course of the series too. Yeah. Sure. So she yeah. seems she seems intolerable. The bit about the accents, right? And, she, and Eleanor says, if everyone can he- understand each other, she doesn't need a British accent. She's putting that on. She's doing that yep. because she can. Right. You're like, oh, logically, it's correct. Everybody has a story arc. Now, uh, not every character progresses, right? Because because Jason, yeah. the DJ from Jacksonville, <laughs> is doesn't progress. We are our understanding of him progresses and it doesn't really improve but it progresses but Tahani <laughs> Tahani becomes a more fully realized person Eleanor is fascinating because Eleanor in order to sell you on this premise makes her seem really bad up front and by the last episode you reveal just how bad her life was and she gets like yeah. uh, emancipated from her parents who are awful and like she she had a very difficult upbringing to get where she is so we understand that more uh, you know and, and with Chidi we realize because he's this paragon and then as we see flashing back to his interactions with other people and the fact that he wrote an unreadable book about ethics, we discover that you know he's not all he's cracked up to be, and he was actually very difficult uh, to be around, to be his friend. Um, and, and it's all like it all, everybody grows and changes, and our perceptions of them change throughout, which again is not sitcom 101, quite the opposite. It is, you know, it's not meant to, to work like this, but that, that's how this is constructed. Oh, somebody wanted me to point out too. I forgot someone asked me in the Slack room was the, um, one of our colleagues mentioned one of the best things in, uh, the show is that bit near the end where Tahani and Eleanor are about to be at each other's throats. And Eleanor says, nope, you know what? We're not going to do this. We're not going to be the kind of women who fight over a man. We're going to, we're friends yeah. and let's be friends. And you're like, Oh my God, this is the point in the sitcom where you start getting squeamish because they're doing this thing and it's, and the characters are at each other for no good reason necessarily. And they broke that moment and it was genuine and it has this payoff. And you're like, what? This is something like, forget the ethics even. Like that was something so refreshing and beautifully uh, played out. Yeah. That was Nathan Alderman, our friend who couldn't be here tonight, but he uh, he 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 sent he sent his, his and he's absolutely right. That's a great that's a great uh, thing that happens is that they these these characters do form a connection. I mean, in the end, and this is sort of a workplace sitcom, it's just a really weird one. But in the end, <laughs> that is how they that is how they laugh <laughs> at right. Ted Danson and have beaten him at the end, except not. But we'll get right. to that about where we go. Is like you 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 blew it. We we ended up. You tried to get us to torment each other, but we ended up working together and caring about each other, and and that's what wrecked this. And mm-hmm. and you see them build those relationships and refuse 
refuse to go down these paths, it turns out it's all a setup. They're all meant to go down those paths and behave badly. And at some point, they all grow and progress as people and refuse. And that destroys the plan that Ted Danson has. And then, again, this is this is what you get when you get a great comic actor like that. You see him thinking on his feet in the moment. He goes, that's it. I never should have put you together. I should put you farther apart. Which is the premise. We'll do that next time. The premise for season two, right? Oh, and that was beautiful. We'll do that next time. And you're like, this is like a TV show. Wait, this is a TV show. Yeah, but it's also like, um, it, all of a sudden, it's like you're in the Matrix or something like that. That's that's yeah, a funny yeah. moment oh, where it's like, yeah. I'm going to wipe your memories. We're going to start again. I'm going to do it differently. And I'm going to get you this time. But Eleanor has, has a one more trick up her sleeve. Thank goodness. So it's like a Star Trek episode or any other science fiction yeah. ep- show. Again, uh, for people who are listening to The Incomparable, <laughs> one of the reasons you like this is it is using that trope, which is how do you get out of a time loop? Can we pass information through a time loop? And the answer is Eleanor writes a note to herself, folds it up, and sticks it in the mouth. She, she says, you don't swallow anything, right? You yeah. don't eat things. Yeah, Janet oh, doesn't no. eat anything. So she she folds up the piece that, of paper, right. sticks it in Janet's mouth, just just puts it in here, and it's on, and it's on her notepad. They they go ha ha ha, and uh, Ted Danson just snaps his fingers and says, you know, it's a reboot, and we we go back to the very first scene from the very first episode. <laughs> Eleanor, could you come in, please? It's the same thing. Oh, I just realized they show Eleanor gets to see. Uh, uh, <laughs> see her Janet getting married and she can't eat and you see uh, uh, Jason try to stick food in her mouth so that's the tell that's why Eleanor Eleanor is presented as a very uh, like street savvy clever person who has Sort of bad morals, yeah. but is um, but very attentive. It's a and very smart. It, it's a it's a part written for Kristen Bell, right? I mean, it is uh, yes, it is yes. it is made her, for her. Man. The premise of season two, presumably, is I mean, what what Ted Danson says is I'm going to separate you, and so we see that Kristen Bell's got, and again, these are these are not just plot points, but callbacks to jokes that have been set up earlier. She's got the mailman because one of the things that she got in trouble for was setting fire in a mailbox to get the mailman to take off his <laughs> shirt. <laughs> His shirt. shirt. So yeah. it's a hot male man later, who takes off his shirt, man. and that's her. That's her soulmate. But yeah. but uh, this is all foiled because what happens is uh, Janet shows up and says, "This uh, this was in my mouth when I rebooted." And it says, find Cheaty. And she says, what, you know, what the fork's a Cheaty. But that's the, <laughs> and that's the, your, 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 your twist ending is they passed one piece of information through that's going to let them, uh, they're going to have to learn, right? So I assume where we're going to start is the pre- everything's going to be different. Everybody's going to be separated. They maybe even put in different scenarios so the show can be a little bit different. But we're going to get to watch this time knowing what we're seeing as they figure out what's going on, which I think is great. I think that's really fun. But that is a that is a full-on science fictional premise that this show is Absolutely. completely committed to now, which is great. And and I hope I hope and suspect we're going to get to see a lot more of the office politics behind the yes. scenes, too. Because now Which we know that. I was excited about. I actually was looking forward to, oh, this will be fun. Maybe because at that point, again, and the NBC app just kept feeding me episodes. So I wasn't really paying attention to how much show I had left. So I saw them and like a couple of actual conversations that Michael was having in the office. And I thought, oh, it would be fun if we got to see more of this. And I hope that we do. That's one of the things that is my hope for for the second series is that that's something that that we get more of from somebody who 
we know already is really good at that. I dare I say, Kelly, that the other show that this sort of reminded me of at the end was Westworld. Because <laughs> it's a little yeah. bit of that, right? Which is, I, you know, it's a reset and you're not going to remember, but something is going to persist. And, you know, it's a trope. It happens. But uh, it, it's just, it was not, I was not expecting to see it here. I think that's really the thing that I, tickled me. Absolutely. Yeah. As I'm, you know, as I'm occasionally texting Don Melton to figure out when we're going to start recording this stuff for the rewatch, like I'm watching this show and so, yeah, it was very much at the front of my mind as well, watching this and going, this seems familiar. It's Westworld with lost souls instead of uh, robots. Exactly. It, it is both about uh, literally building a world and setting it in motion. Mm. And then something goes wrong and something starts starts uh, infecting everything. And how do you how do you change that? How do you how do you get out of it? And how do you control it? Including literally a sinkhole that grows and yeah. <laughs> sucks people in. And- Which is obviously constructed as – I mean, there's so much where I'm like, uh, obviously everything that occurs within the place ostensibly was caused by Michael, was part of a plan to do something, or or was it? Because he says they're improvising a lot. So did they cause right. the sinkhole? Or was that a byproduct? After Eleanor admits to everyone yeah. that she shouldn't be there – they didn't expect that. That was the first crack. And then at that point, yeah. everything right. that they were doing after that was improvised because they had to, they, you know, they, they, they were off Work the plan. That was when it started right. to unravel. And, I mean, we've already talked a little bit about casting. And, and there, there are names in here like Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. Um, but, but there are a lot of discoveries in the show. I mean, this show is so beautifully cast. Um, right down to the guest stars, right down to the one shot things. And I mean, Adam Scott, come on. Yeah. Um, but, but Adam Scott the is big, so great. The, maybe the biggest discovery in this show for me, uh, is Darcy Carton as Janet. As Janet. She is, I mean, the, the, it's so a beautifully perfect. conceived and written character and she is pitch perfect in every variation we see. She's amazing. Uh-huh. The, the yeah. bit where they're trying to shut her down and she's like, I will warn you that I will do a very convincing <laughs> job, but I am not. And then, oh, please, my children, here are my children. Uh, well, this is an Ikea frame. That thing is just, what a beautiful set yep. piece. It's so <laughs> funny. It's probably one of the funniest things. And when she, she falls in love with, quote, and marries uh, Jason, um, yes. you never forget that she's just a piece of software. Like she's Because she's the first person to remind you, this is not legal. Yeah. It was there was not nothing real. in my programming that prevented it, so I said yes. <laughs> and yeah. it is right. she does it with so I mean, no effect whatsoever. It yeah. is literally she's, just as as he's running through his dialogue, she just goes, you know, it's you're you're such a beautiful girl, and she, and she just I'm not I am not a girl. <laughs> and it's there's no <laughs> she's not trying to interrupt him. She's like I'm not a girl. And then like when she reboots and like yes. is still kind of working it out. Oh and, my god, the uh, cactus scene the was cactuses. just <laughs> this just, is a bunch just, of pictures of cactus. Janet, you're not going to hand me. That was always Monty Python. It was very Monty Python. It was a good Monty Python interaction, just briefly. Like, you're not, what are you holding? It's not a cactus. Yes. No. Yes, it yes. And, and bad place, Janet. Oh, my yes. God. Oh, oh, biker Janet. Oh. Like, I loved every every iteration of Janet. Like, for me, was really entertaining in some way, in some way whatever yeah. it was. I yeah. thought she was. I thought she was awesome and I loved that like her interaction with everybody and how um you know she's the first person to remind you that she's not a person that she's not a girl that she's not you know real and all of the things that that she keeps saying but then she does stuff like 
is trying to be helpful to Jason, you know, is nice to him. And he really takes that to heart, you know, and that's like, he even says, like, when I first got here, you were the first person to be nice to me. Well, back to Westworld, right? She is an uncanny Mm -hmm. valley kind of figure where it's like, is it real or is it programming that seems real if you want to believe it? I also got a a Star Trek Voyager, you know, holographic doctor kind of vibe again to get into the science fiction. She is a science fiction character in the middle of the sitcom for sure. Well, well, and she is definitely a, a, uh, 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 what's a good word? Uh, uh, an avatar, a, a fake thing that is learning what it is to be human a little right. bit, huh. right? Every, and a I mean, by the end, a little bit. you know, she doesn't, at the end of the show, she does not want to be rebooted. She wants to be with Jason. People, uh, it gives you the ultimate freedom as a, uh, uh, visual creative uh medium person of this filmic variety um where you can you know play with those notions of uh universality and i i thought this i thought actually the good place discards with that when um and, and my wife had pointed this out like oh my god they threaded the needle on religion in the very first episode where he says well it's about you know who is right she asked right he's like well five percent the christians and five percent the jews and five percent it's like nobody was really got it at all and you're like oh he totally diffuses it so there's no god discussed there's no one religion that won and it's put into this sort of um other category so i'm sure some people are offended about it because it's it is religiously oriented at the sense of having an afterlife uh but without it is it's entirely about ethics instead of about religion What's well, yeah? It's ethics and logic. It could not be more welcoming and gentle and open about the premise of like you all. I mean, in, in the in the nicest way possible of saying at the very beginning, well, you all got it wrong mostly, but you had a little bit right. But it's also just totally disarming, right? It's like, look, it's all good. Um, you know, you got part of it right. Everybody got a little different part right, except for the one dude in 1972. And there's this <laughs> right. picture. And that, the, <laughs> it's okay. The left turn. Doug. Like, the, the, and there are a bunch of those. Like, when you sit and you walk through the episodes, like, that's one of the things that I really enjoyed was, like, um, when they first walk out into the neighborhood, you know, and Michael says, and, and she's talking, she says, asks him a question, and I don't remember what it was. And then he says, um, well, yes, but, you know, that's all the result of Frog Lord Zorax, long may he reign. Oh, yes, yes, the great and Frog she's Lord. Like, <laughs> uh, and he's like, I'm, I'm just kidding. kidding. And, <laughs> like, and, you know, those moments every once in a while, and just like, you know, the, the folder, you know, are you, are you, what are you holding? Is it, a, is it a cactus? Are you going to try and give me another cactus? No, it's a folder full of, it's a folder full of things. And she hands it to him and it's a folder full of pictures of cactuses huh. and like every once in a while there's there's that left turn in the middle of something and i just yeah. i i think that was the thing that kept me watching was i was i wasn't super interested honestly you know at the beginning and then totally got sucked in and it was because of that stuff like you know as as ted danson completely deadpan says frog lord zorax long may he reign you know and you're like <laughs> What have I gotten myself into? What have I done? Like, I actually had that moment of like, what have I done? And then, what did Glenn make me do? And then... What did I make you do? (laughs) Uh, That could be a whole series of itself. (laughs) What did Glenn convince me of here, exactly? And then, like, and that was the part that was was very entertaining to me, was, was just often enough, not often enough to be like, oh, it's just this goofy show, but just often enough that you don't end up sort of drowning in a sea of Chidi's ethics books. 
Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, when when you describe the premise to some people, they're like, oh, what is this? The Summa Theologica. Do I need a degree in divinity to watch this? Like, no, no, absolutely not. Also, right. also, you know, when Glenn tells you to watch something, mostly it's a bad idea. I'm glad you were oh, lucky. God. I beg. <laughs> what have I ever turned? What have I ever steered you wrong? Zardoz. 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 You can't stop thinking anyway, about yeah. it years later. So this is, right. this is, yeah, it, it is. So, uh, uh, you know, if you've gotten to this point and you blew through the spoiler horn and you still haven't watched it, you should go, go watch the show. It is not only not very long, but it's really great. It is um, unlike anything i've ever seen it is a uh obviously i think this is the only only can happen when there's a creator that a network really trusts and they believe in him and his idea and want to see this vision kind of fulfilled we're in a weird time in television where network uh networks are trying things like like the good place and and that they would not have maybe tried in the past and and uh it's uh yeah it, it's hey we can, a if we can get a thing. few million people to watch it maybe that'll pay enough quarters that we can keep the machine running exactly but right keep those magic and fingers let vibrating me point out, when it comes to that kind of thing um one of the things for me that was actually sort of exciting about this was that the whole season was available freely yeah to yes. me just as a cable subscriber not as a person with netflix or amazon prime or hulu or any other paid tv any other paid online only service. Uh, this is something that was available to me. I'm just a cable. I, I get cable at my house, cable TV. Um, as a cable subscriber, I can install the NBC app and tell it like this is my cable provider or whatever. And I got the whole season. Well, and you know, back in the day, you'd have shows where you had to wait for summer reruns or, or that they were failing until summer reruns like Dick Van Dyke and All in the Family and Cheers and all of these shows that were like, you know, pinnacles of television were failing for a long time because you you didn't have a chance to go see them or you didn't have have a chance to hear about them uh you know if someone said oh you got to see this and it was already off off the air for a while and now yeah it's very easy to say here just sit down turn the computer on you're good yep well and and not everyone does that and that's the thing that i thought was was really nice about this was that um i don't have to wait for the second season to be almost here before I can go buy a DVD of the first season and watch that, you know, um, that was, and, and as a distribution mechanism, that was the thing that, that I really liked. I was very excited to know that it was out there waiting. I could watch the whole thing Uh, on the NBC app. There were commercials. I'm not full disclosure. There were commercials in the middle of the show, like not as many as I got on, as I would get watching it on TV. So the fact that it was out there available was really awesome. And I want more shows to do this because it makes it easier for somebody like me who was well more than fashionably late to the party to still be able to show up, especially before season two. And it was really oddly scheduled. Like the first two episodes ran back to back Monday night at 10 after The Voice. Uh-huh. And then the third episode ran that Thursday at 830. Then it was off. Then it was back on Thursday. I mean, it was like, make it harder and harder to find. But yeah. They know that. They understand that now, and at least they've figured out – not all the networks have figured this out, but they've figured out that if we make it easy to find elsewhere, people will still find right. it. Right. I'm looking at you, CBS. <laughs> oh, God. Now, the shame of it is we cannot tell you I uh, if this is available. In fact, I, I did a search. I'm not sure this show is available outside of the U.S., so what well, I'll say know. is, yeah, you know – Give give it a look and see if you can find it somewhere on the internet. Um, somewhere, maybe legally, 
I hope. Wait, Jason, hold on. Are you proposing that people engage in an ethically dubious behavior? Because No, definitely not. No, I'm saying that they should get on the internet and search for episodes of The Good Place, and hopefully in the country that they're located, they'll find where those are legally available. Sure. Glenn, 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 it's okay. We'll just help Jason throw a party. It'll be fine. That's right. <laughs> Jason, I'm sorry. You have to get on a train and leave the incomparable. Uh, I have go to go to drink the, some the, warm the, beer. The, the, the actually, you'll have to go from the incomparable to the comparable. To the comparable place. The comparable, no, the comparable place. place. Oh, no. Oh. All right. Well, I hope we've uh, uh, inspired some of you to seek out this show, and uh, and it's fun to talk about. I'm looking forward to the second season. I'm, I will go back and watch this first season again, too, because it was so great. It really rewards rewatching. It really rewards it really rewatching. Does. Really, really, yeah. really rewards rewatching. It's gone three times, and I'm ready to watch it again. It was great. The second time through is like watching a different show, and I think that's pretty wonderful. Yes. Yes, because now you're you're watching knowing mm. the, the end, so now you can watch and see all those little details that they've dropped in. This reminds me, I, I did a, 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 a foreshadowing earlier. The one bit that I know was cut and was in the extended one was Michael says, I think it's in episode two even, he says, he's talking to Tahani and um, and uh, uh, Jason. Uh, uh, John Yu, Jason, yeah. John Yu, thank you, at the time. Right, and Eleanor and she come up. He says, oh, good, I'm glad you're here. There's nothing that makes me happier thinking of the four of you living next to each other for all eternity. <laughs> right. like, oh, uh-huh. you mother forking. Yeah. And right. in one of the interviews, uh, the creator said something like, yeah, we couldn't get that in. We thought it might be too much of a tell, and we cut it, but we put it back in the extended version, but we don't think we, – we really thought that was going to give it away. And And nobody noticed. And he's and you should you should put the the Seppenwall interview in in the show yeah. notes oh, because yeah. it's it's fantastic good. and one of the things was there are, there's at least one scene or two scenes early on where we see Ted by himself and the the question was is he play acting while he's by himself you know if we see him oh. being fake at any point would that give it away and they said well we had to we had to tell we had to figure that out. The door was that's open. That's a very right? interesting. Uh, the the an door interesting was open, issue. so he yeah. knew that he could. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing that I liked about Ted Danson, like as I as we get through the end of that last episode, is that in a bunch of like big ways, he's exactly the same. It was still his first neighborhood. He's still yes. really earnest about that he's still really excited to see how it goes he's really worried about things going wrong you're right and so he's still like fundamentally the same guy it's just that this is all set up to torture these people instead of to be the good place that they had been led to believe that it was well the the easiest lie to tell is the one that isn't much of a lie Mm -hmm. Right. right most of the detail is true and that was the thing that really struck me about him was that he like none of that stuff was a put on. Like, it seems like for as fundamental as it becomes, you know, th- th- because this go ahead, Michael, call the train. You want to play? Let's play. Yeah. You know, like as fundamentally different as the world is once Eleanor figures that out at the same time on another on a bunch of other levels like not a lot has changed yeah, and i yeah. thought that was really inter- that was a really in- that made michael really interesting and that was part of what was great about it you still somehow feel for him even after that right yeah, yeah. like when he's when he's relieved at, at Chidi being a little upset he's like 
Oh, thank you. I needed that. Right? Yeah. You still and and seeing him in the conference room. He's just a guy who's trying to things. do something interesting with his job that's really right. boring, right? That's right. Right. Yeah. And that's that is again such a fine tightrope to walk. Yep. Yeah. Oh my god. The most horrifying thing in the show it's that brilliant thing, and they don't overuse it, is when the walls of the bedroom close, and it plays that... terrifying. And the huge clown face. That is the most... And especially when... Man, that is disturbing. Like, even when the evil people... Yeah. Yes, they go behind it and close the doors. That's just wrong. My wife thought a house filled with clown pictures was a dead giveaway from the first show. She does not like clowns. Just saying. I don't either, and even if I didn't mind them, I think I would. I think I like them less having watched a <laughs> season of this show. And, and watching it back, you you do sense that that threatening layer. But the first time, this is what what was is so clever about how it's built is the first time through, you write it off as being part of the mistake with Kristen right. Bell's character, right. and so you're like, oh well, you know. So it's funny. It's a funny thing that the real one liked clowns, and and but the second time through, you're like, oh, that's cruel. That's like that's, that's mean. just mean. <laughs> well, especially when when uh, Trevor says, you know, what's funny? The exact picture is also in real Eleanor's room in hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Well, yeah. I mean, there is we at one point in the show we didn't mention this. Uh, the there is a the real Eleanor is brought from the bad place, and that that adds that amps up the the moral dilemma that they're all facing, um, which I, I would make a bigger deal of, except that it's all revealed that it's all a fraud in the end. So it doesn't really matter. But that is there is a fascinating sort of moral question there about how Kristen Bell doesn't want to go to hell. But at the same time, she doesn't deserve to be where she is. And this other woman is in the torments of hell uh, because she's got her spot. And so there's that whole eth- yeah. ethically, th- except it turns out it's a lie. But that was that's the premise anyway. So, yeah, there's a lot here, folks. There's just there's a lot here yeah i mean i we we always talk about what's what's the best show you've seen this year what's your your favorite shows this year this is maybe the best show i've seen in at least 10 years i'll go that far maybe even maybe even more i haven't watched many network television shows i have watched some and i've been watching a lot of stuff on like sci-fi and um you know showtime and other showtime hbo and other networks so i've actually can compare this now to other tv shows i've watched the last five years and it's among the best or it's probably it's the best funny one i've seen it's it's certainly the it's it's funny and it's absurd, but it's also a show with a brain and yep. you don't oh, get God, that very I often. That. I yeah. love it. Well, and assumes that you can keep up. Yes. That's yes. the other sure. thing about yeah, it. Yeah, is yeah. They don't hit you over the head with it eight minutes into the first episode and then you spend the rest of the season waiting for everybody else to figure out the thing they told you in the pilot. Yeah, there's no recap. I mean, that that's the other thing is there's no previously, yeah. he, you know, wow. what yeah. Mike Sure said is he's fully embraced the fact that like, look, you need to pay attention to the show. That's what the show is. We're not going to recap it. You know, you don't drop in in the middle. Yeah. Start from the start. This is a story we're telling yeah. here. And it really is. And and you can't, you can't watch it looking at your phone. No, you have that's to watch it. You have to pay attention. It's one of those shows too. But in a good and way. I like that. All right. I'm going to wrap it up here. I want to thank my guests for talking about the good place in this um, okay place that we call the middle of the internet. <laughs> uh, Glenn Fleischman, thanks for being here. Uh, I hope this counts towards my totals, Jason. Yes, you go up 183 points for this. David oh, J. Lore, thank you for being here. I'll miss you too, you sexy skyscraper. And Kelly Gamont, <laughs> thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, I think. <laughs> and thanks everybody out there for listening uh, this has been The Good Place and now uh, we return you to whatever place you belong in see you next week <laughs>